think that's where a lot of people go go bad with a pup. They throw them in a pen and just throw feed to them every day. And to me, you got to make a connection with them. Some guys don't agree with me on that, but I think you got to have a good bond with a dog. real simple I think with a pup and a lot of people don't understand it. When a pup is ready to start, it will start. You can't force a pup to start and you can't force a pup to tree. It has to do it on its own. We are back with the Stark Outdoors podcast. I'm your host, Clayton Stark. It's been a while since I made one of these, but got inspired a little bit after going to Autumn Oaks. I kind of quit making these because I just ran out of time making my videos and traveling as much as I do. And now this time of year, I also coach high school football, and that makes it pretty difficult to have enough time to travel and make hunting videos. And I'm at football every single day of the week and then also record and edit audio for podcasts. But I'm going to start making these again, and something else I decided to start doing is taking this equipment with me in the woods when I'm hunting pups and stuff, and use that time to record some too and kind of document what's going on also. I'm also going to start interviewing more people. That way it's not just me all the time, and I can give you guys some good content. But back to Autumn Oaks, that's what kind of got me inspired to start making these again. They had the media center set up in the one building, and I got the chance to sit down with Steve Fielder and the people at the Houndstooth Podcasting Network. They have the Coon Hunting Confidentials podcast. So I got to meet Daniel Felker, Dustin Faulkner, and Ryan James. I also got to sit down with Ben Sheets of Tree Talking Media. So it was a really great time and made a video out of it on YouTube so you can go on there and check it out. It's titled Autumn Oaks Recap 2022 and you can see the interviews on there and also see what Autumn Oaks was like this year. And if you're into paranormal or the unknown, especially this time of year with Halloween coming up, or if you just like listening to old coon hunting stories, make sure you check out Coon Hunting Confidentials because they have a lot of people on there that share stories from over the years, whether it be Bigfoot encounters or UFOs or ghosts and all sorts of just unknown stories that people experience coon hunting. It's really interesting. A lot's happened since I made one of these. And since then, I went to the Tournament of Champions. If you follow me at all, you would have seen on YouTube. That's where I post all my content and Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. But I'm going to start making more podcasts. But if you're new to my content and you haven't checked that out, make sure you go over to YouTube because that's where most of my stuff is. And I've made a lot of different Hounds of Spotlight episodes since I made one of these. I made a Tournament of Champions video that did really well. And I believe since I had made one of these podcasts, just a few of the people I went hunting with to make YouTube videos for was Dick Brothers, Chad McCoyne, Bill Shiniger, Trevor Hack, Kurt Ehring, Duel Murphy, and Chris Harley. And actually this last weekend, a few days ago, I went hunting with Matt Lingo and Terry Tappy, the guys who own Country Club. And for those of you that don't know, Country Club is a blue tick out of big country. And he actually won back-to-back national grand night champion at Autumn Oaks. He's been doing a lot of winning consistently. He's a pretty good coon dog. So if you want to see a good blue tick go, make sure you check out my YouTube channel on September 25th. It's a Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern time. That's when that video is going to premiere. But if that sounds interesting to you and if you want to get to know kind of the story about this dog, that's what the focus of this podcast is going to be because I actually sat down with the guys that own him and interviewed them before we went hunting that night. Now here's an interview for when I went hunting with Country Club. All right. I'm Matt Lingo. I'm Terry Taffy. So you guys own Country Club. Yes. How did you, did you, how did that come about, both of you owning them? Uh, I acquired, I call him Dink. I acquired him as a pup from Dave McGinnis. Uh, I just bought him. Actually, he, I don't even know 
what the deal was, but uh, I just went out on a whim and it was the first blue tick I ever got and it's just kind of never looked back. Was he a puppy when you got him? He was uh, right about eight weeks old, I believe, when Dave delivered him. Uh, he drove from New York within 30 minutes of my house. I met him on the side of the road. And then when did you become partners? Uh, I think Dink was a year, year and a half old. Yeah. Uh, and the, you know, I raised him and started him, and which my wife and kids had a big part of that, just raising him up. He started early. Uh, I think I put him in his first hunt when he was like nine months old. Um, and we just kind of took off and it was maybe five months after that first hunt, Matt reached out and said, hey, uh, you going to blue tick days this year? I said, no. He goes, well, that dog probably ought to go. Would you like me to take him? Or could I take him? And I said, take him. And I've never got the dog back. <laughs> so. so he stays with Matt? Yeah. Time. So uh, I took him blue tick days that year, and I never won King of Hunt of blue tick days. Always wanted to win it. And uh, we went out there and hunted him, and they had a young guns hunt Thursday night. And we didn't win. He didn't look very good. But I'd hunted him all week, and I told my wife, I get home, man, this dog is nice. Like, I love him. Um, we ended up winning our cast Friday night and it went our cast Saturday night and got King of Hunt at Blue Tick Days. Came home and told my wife, I said, I don't know what it's going to take to buy that dog, but I'd like to own him. Um, and I know Terry had some offers for him. I know it was probably more than what I offered him. Um, but I reached out and asked him if he'd take this much for half and he said, let me think about it and called me the next day and I said, yeah, we'll do that. The rest is history, I guess. It's history. It's, uh... I don't know. <laughs> so, there are a lot of people that are partners with dogs, and you've, I don't know if you've heard, but I've heard some people have issues, or whether it be handling stud fees, or who's getting a stud fee pop, or who's taking the stuff like that. Do you have any advice for people who might be partnering with a dog in the future? My advice would be, uh let one guy be in charge of that aspect of the dog and in this case it's this guy right here yeah. I've, I've been reached out and people called and that's the first thing I tell them get a hold of Matt because uh, as far as the stud the stud dog goes I'm really not in that business if I breed a dog then I'm really breeding a dog for myself mm -hmm. I'm more of the I like the puppy stages and not everybody's like that so this as far as telling it's the first partnership i've ever had on a dog and um that would probably be the only partnership i'd want to want to stay with yeah i think the important thing is we kind of set the ground rule at the start when when i made terry that offer i told him i said look we're good friends we're always going to be good friends and if if there's something wrong or you're not happy or i'm not happy then you can just have the dog back and we're gonna be friends. No matter what happens here, yeah. <laughs> you and I are gonna be friends. And so um, I, it, it's been a great partnership. I don't partner with many people. And I'm pretty selective who I do, um, but um, Terry's been a great one for sure. So you've known each other for a while then? Uh, yeah, I've, I've known Matt probably since 
probably 25 years I've known yeah, Lewis. That, that helps. Oh, oh yeah. Sure. He yeah. has a lot of experience yep. with one another. And I've drawed him out in hunts around home for years. Yeah. And he's always picked on me about hunting blue <laughs> <Luke Dick. laughs> And, you know, Terry and I competed against each other for a lot of years, but um, I'd go out there and hunt and I'd have trouble with the dogs. Terry, man, I don't, this dog's just, just doing this, you know. What do you think? He'd give me some advice and I'd go do it and I'd be like, hang on. <laughs> Terry actually knows what he's talking about. Don't tell everybody that. <laughs> so you said that he would give you trouble or give you crap about hunting blue ticks. What did you hunt before? Uh, walker dogs, mostly. I started out um, as a young kid, probably 10 years old, but my neighbor had a pair of red bones, and uh, I caught the bug, and I think I got my first dog when I was about 14. It was an English red tick. And... Had I known then what I know now about dogs, I might be hunting English dogs now. But, you know, I ruined quite a few dogs just trying to figure out how to get one started. Learning. And, uh, you know, it's still pretty easy to do. But with a good program and uh, a good team, it takes a good team to, to make a, a good bunch of dogs or just a couple good dogs, you know. And not every night are they perfect, but it, I think at the end of the day, you know, if we're happy with what we got, that that makes a partnership, uh, you know, worth more than anything. So yeah, have you always hunted blue ticks? Though? Always hunted blue ticks. Yep. So I started hunting when I was five years old with my dad. Um, he had blue dogs, and that's that's all I've ever ever hunted my entire life. So. Did your family get you into hunting them too? Uh, well, I kind of, sort of. Um, by the time I was really getting into it, like I said, I had a neighbor friend that, that my dad would hunt with a little bit. Um, but my dad was tired of chasing dogs. Back then, these dogs didn't tree and stay treed like they do now, unless you had three or four of them, you yeah. know, in there. So the dogs have come a long way through the breeding, and some good, some not so good. But, uh... You know, I can remember always making fun of the blue tick guys, and, <laughs> and I'd always make fun of Matt and his dad, and, you know, I drew his dad out a lot back in the day, and, but I can remember a couple dogs that they had that really impressed me back then. Um, if they was a little better handlers, they might have <laughs> no done a little better, but, uh, you know, it's all a, all a learning curve. One thing I find interesting in you saying that, is a lot of the people I talk to, there's hardly any of them have been hunting a specific breed and stuck with it their whole life. They, I, I don't know why, but it seems like they'll start with one and they'll get like a once-in-a-lifetime dog. And that kind of changes their perspective. And that's why I go with so many different breeds of people because I don't care. I like all coon hounds. I like the way they look. Right. So if it, if it turn it loose and it goes and trees a coon, that's what matters to me more than anything. Absolutely. I'm not... You know, if I had a good opportunity for a nice walker pup, you know, I might jump on that and, and take my chance. I, I like a good coon dog. I don't really, yeah. I don't have a preference. I'm kind of partial to these uh, light-colored blue dogs. That, yeah. Um, but I've had a lot of luck with them, and they are they seem to like to please you. And uh, like anybody else's, when, they, when you show up, you really don't know what you're, turning loose that night until the night's over with. 
So how do you, oh, you can go first this time. How, how do you like to start crops? Um, really, uh, probably I've learned more from Terry on starting pups than anybody. Um, I've watched him since we've been partners. Seems like he always comes up with a nice pup. And so I got to thinking about it. And he lets his pups run loose around the house. And if you sit there and think about that, the only time my pups were getting hunted is when I got them out of the kennel and took them mm -hmm. hunting. Whereas if you let them pups run loose, they're hunting 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and they're learning. Um, and so what I really like to do now, uh, after watching him do it, is I let these pups run loose, and once they start getting into stuff, and the neighbor's got to bring them home, or uh, it's probably time to put them up. But, um, and then once I put them up, you know, I, I'll take them for walks through the woods, or um, we'll trap some coon, maybe turn one loose for them, that type of thing, and then just from there, just take them hunting. So, do you have anything to add to that, Ben? No, he's doing a good job. We, uh, oh, you're the puppy man. <laughs> we've had some pretty good success with breeding dogs to dink, and you know, just the pups that we've kept. We, we've had some pretty decent ones. Yeah. Um, and I can't hunt them all. He can't hunt them all. We both have families, and we have other obligations. So, usually, I think the best thing to do with a good started pup once it gets to a certain point is just to move it down the road and hope it gets in the right hands yeah and we've had a couple yeah. a couple of them do that that are uh you know guys are going to start hearing of them i think yeah we had a, a club meeting up there at our club last tuesday and there was three guys at that club meeting and they all went hunting together they was all hunting pups off the off the dink so yeah which is pretty cool it's pretty neat to see yeah. some one of them guys was a walker man too so <laughs> Well, that's another thing. If you go hunting with them, you might have a bias towards a certain dog or a certain breed, but you go hunting with them and you yeah. hear them open up and tree. And the, yeah. If you go hunt with the right dog, it can make you change your preferences a lot in what you got Absolutely. Yep. As far as the breeding and the, you know, with the blue dog, I still, to this day, I don't, people ask me, hey, what's that dog out of and go back to? I don't know. I don't. I don't try to keep track of bloodlines much and what breeding's doing what. Like I said before, if it's a if it's a nice dog, I don't care what it's out of. Uh, and I think a lot of people nowadays are doing that. It's with the crossbreed, you know, it's shooting up. Yeah. People are finding out that uh, too much line breeding all these years, and we got a lot of bad traits, which are good traits. But you know, too much of it can go the opposite direction. Yeah. Just like anything, too much of something is not good. Right. So if you're doing live breeding, can be good, but if you do it for forty or fifty years, then yeah, you could be missing out on something. Yeah. So, do you know how he's bred? So he's off of uh, Big Country on the top side, and then off of uh, what's her name Fancy. Yeah. That's the female that Dave had. And Fancy goes back to those uh, Tim's Iron Will dogs back in there, and Bishop's Blue Grover. Um, I've hunted with that Grover dog um, and John Bishop. And John Bishop, the thing I like about him is that dog is the one that won those hunts. It wasn't John. Yeah. John's a super honest, super nice guy. And when you hunt with a dog that's really nice and you've done some winning like he did, that, that pretty impresses me. So. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's, that's kind of how he's bred. Have you noticed any females or any bloodlines that might 
have a lot of success crossing with them? You know, I think just about every female we've crossed on him has turned out pretty decent hounds for the most part. Um, I think um, there was a, a Smoky River bred female that Mark Brady had. Yeah. There was there was several in that litter that were really nice. Was um, her name Green? Yeah. Off so of I Green. hunted her for yeah. a couple months. She's yeah. Very nice female. Um, those those that was a nice cross, and then uh, I got a six month old pup now off of a, a female that I started. Um, she was off a of Pison and Apple's honeybee female. Um, Jake and Joel Apple and the, the honeybee female, Mike Shepard and Pison. Um, I had her, she got a little track happy on me. I sold her, bought her back, because I, I knew they started early. That, that Sadie female, when I cut her loose for the first time in the woods, she treated the very first tree she went to. And I thought, you know, I'd like to get some of that early start stuff in there. And so I'm, I bought her back and made that cross, and I got a six-month-old pup here out of that cross that, that's running the tree, and I, I can't let him loose around here. He's going to get <laughs> treed somewhere. So yeah. um, I think that cross is going to be really nice. I don't know of any crosses that really stick out because I feel like the ones that um, I haven't had a pup out of all these litters that we've had, which hadn't really been too many, but the few that I've kept around and and started, all started young, and they all maybe have a little different trait than what Dink would have, and I didn't really know much about the female, but, you know, I think they've all gonna, they're gonna turn into good dogs, and they're, they're all young yet. Yeah. I, just, I like asking that question of people, because then 20 years from now, someone will go back, and if someone noticed that this line of dogs was reproducing better, that might help someone yeah. 20 years down the yeah, road. Absolutely. So that's just it's interesting to see, but most people I hunt with have really well known top stud dogs that are reproducing so yeah. it's pretty common that most of the pups turn out pretty good. Because yeah. if you have a good female you're going to go to a good male and anytime yeah. you get quality of quality it's got a yeah. pretty good chance to make something. Right. So do you have anything to add before we go on? We'll talk about his, I want to save something for when we're out there. Mm. So we'll talk about the competition hunting and that side of it once we get to the woods. I don't think so. I just, uh, you know, I enjoy the time I spend out in the woods with dogs that, that want to please. And I think that's what we have. Yeah. Uh, sometimes, you know, we, just like everybody else, they can get you aggravated and, um, maybe 30 minutes into your hunt, you know, you're right back to where you was and everybody's on the same page again. Yeah, I think one thing to add, you know, it takes a lot of people to make all this happen, you know. Terry and I kind of get a lot of the, the, I guess, notoriety, if you want to call it that, but, you know, we got a really good team of people that, that work with us, um, you know. Derek Bryan, Sam Jones, uh, Randy, uh, Ryan Davidson, and Roger Deesman helped me get Dink ready for Autumn Oaks this year. And then, you know, our families, you know, they sacrificed a lot for us to go out here and do, the, do what we love to do. And so um, it, it's a really neat team that we have. We have a lot of fun at the same time. And one thing you mentioned that you said your wife and kids helped around the house a lot too. Yeah. That's a lot of people that start their own pups. They'll let their wife and kids handle them. Oh yeah. And I've Absolutely. noticed if you just do that socializing with them, yeah. that makes all the difference in the world. Cause like you said, they want to please you. Yeah, absolutely. Because they have 
some sort of connection with yeah. him. Yeah, he's the best thing that happened to these pups we got. He <laughs> yeah. just goes out there and messes with them, plays with them. So. Alright, well, that'll be good. We can go get dark now and go to the woods. Okay, let's do it. I'll share a little audio clip of that dog treeing and opening a little bit so you can kind of get a feel for what that dog sounds like. He sounds pretty good coming on the tree there. I hope you guys enjoyed this. And remember, September 25th, Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. If you want to see the rest of the interview and see the dog in action, make sure you tune into my YouTube channel to see the full video go live. And before we get off here, I'd like to thank my sponsors. I'd like to thank Dogtra, Conkey's Hunting Supply, Coon Dog Wear, Gun Dog House Stores, Bill Shiniger of Saddle Up Plots and Saddle Up Cryo. I'd like to thank Kentucky Cooner. I'd like to thank John Steber of Lonesome Blue Kennels. I'd also like to thank Big Dog Lights, Bayou Legacy Game Calls with the Tree Shaker coon squalor ring tails and tall tails hunting dog supply and taxidermy and i'd like to thank all of you out there for listening and watching my videos and supporting what we do i really hope you enjoyed this podcast and i'll talk to you later you ended up treeing seven tenths of a mile i had my light on coming in and he had another coon so turned him loose three times he had three coons Ah! 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 Ah!